Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Wow, Matt, fellow adventurers. We are back with Sir Croakington. And we are continuing with Proving Grounds 5. So currently, we, we started off by doing just a few monster hunts with the Silver Quest. And now, uh, Wundel, the leader of the Silver Quest, has disappeared. Hopefully he's okay, we really don't know. And we're trying to find both Nindal and the Master Shadow Mage Nirith. And we're going to Talonus because that seems to be the only clue we have. And we are pursued by the minions of the Shadow Dragon Maraxa. Who have, and they all have shadow magic. And probably mo most threatening of all is Trailtok. But a betrayer of the, the League of Five. Although whether that was, whether that was actually, he was actually in control of himself at the time, remains to be seen. Anyhow, the next part is called The Road to Talonus, waylaid in white bow. Let us begin. Yep. Please note, for a recap of the previous portions of the Proving Ground events, Please refer to Proving Grounds 5, The Silver Quest, in the events section of your adventure log under Trithic. Well, uh, I think the adventure log has disappeared, so we can't do that anymore. Or you could just watch the previous episode. It's a late afternoon when you and Helene arrive in the small town of White Bell. A white-haired watchman seated on a large flat stone next to the road, greets you with a friendly wave as the two of you warily proceed along the town's narrow main thoroughfare. You inquire about coach passage to Tatanus, only to discover that the coach, like either one, one you were previously passengers on, has already passed through, another isn't expected for two days. Something in there should suit us, says Elaine, grabbing your arm and pointing across the thoroughfare to the stables. Let's see how much money they get for eight hooves in White Bell. She proceeds across the road and strides up to the stable. You trail closely behind her, your eyes and ears alert for the first sign of danger. As Elaine pulls open the main door of the stable, its broad shadow molds into her own, and a horrified look washes over her face. Sir Crokington, duck! she cries, as an ear-blattering, shattering blast of lightning deers out of the shadowy interior of the bar, slamming into her and landing on her back almost ten yards from where she was standing. Before he can rush to her aid, three masked men leap down from inside the stable, each of them bearing long iron rods, the tips of which are entwined with lightning. You quickly position yourself to face them one at a time. This is a masked assailant. Your master attacker swipes at you with its lightning stick. Alright, and it is slain. 38 XP. The master assailant melts into a pool of shadow and slivers off into the gloom. Before you've had time to collect your wits, the second of these dangerous foes is upon you. It's another master assailant who is assailing me. Tines of blue lightning strike you as the enemy unleashes a deadly energy attack for 15 damage. Alright, keep going at it. Another one for 7 damage, and it is slain. Another 38 XP. The second master assailment melts into a pool of shadow and slivers off into the gloom. Presumably, he's giving a report saying, yeah, this guy, he's strong. Uh, send some better dudes, and lots of them. You step forward and prepare to face the last of these dangerous foes. 
master assailant. Your master attacker swipes at you with this lightning stick. I wonder, are these is are any of these master assailants or master assailants I've beat up before? Possible to tell. Could be. Could be. That might be why we're not getting huge numbers of them attacking them at once, because Trailock doesn't actually have that many minions. <laughs> Presumably because there's once you start mind controlling too many people it starts to slip, perhaps. Who knows? Or may or maybe, you know, Muraxa has has her talons in a lot of pies and is doing a lot of things. So we can't just throw our whole army at just one inconvenience. I mean, most of them, most of them are presumably searching for Windor and Nirith, who are the greatest threat by far. Well, or so they think. I think they're going to find out a greater threat is coming towards them. Especially right. bash, bash, bash. No, wait. Stabity stab. Anyway, it's slain. 38 XP. The, ma the last Master Assailant molds into shadow and is gone. You watch to Helene's side, but she's already back on her feet and appears to have suffered no lasting effects from the powerful blast of lightning she endured. I guess that's just some... just the toughness that comes from 700 years of being a master of shadow magic. Sir Crokington! She suddenly gasps, motion, mentioning to the, motioning to the far wall of the stable. You turn and watch in horror as two massive and fearsome shadows begin to wise out of the larger gloom at the base of the wall. The shadows quickly take on the shape of large, horned and clawed beasts. Shadow beasts! She cries, moving over to position herself to face the one on the right. We're not out of this danger yet, and there's a law book entry for Shadow Beasts. Let's read it. Shadow Beast. Well, I'm reading it. If you want to read it, you're going to have to play the game. The These fearsome creatures of shadow usually only appear at the summons of a powerful shadow mage. They normally appear in the form of a giant shadow of a hulking clawed beast. They are extremely powerful and at times immune to the effects of magic. Well, just have to stab them then. You prepare yourself to face the Shadow Beast on the left. Shadow Beast. Shadow Beast wars as it strikes out, swipes out either his clawed hand of shadow. Blimey. <laughs> Woo! You feel weaker as your opponent drains energy from your body for 12 damage. Alright, drains more energy for 10 damage. And it is slain. 38 XP. The shadow beast recedes back into shadows against the barred wall and disappears in the gloom. You turn to find that Helene has already defeated the beast against which she was pitted. The poor man didn't stand a chance, says Helene, pointing out the body of a man in the far corner of the stable. Hey, hey, he had nothing to do with this. The man's body is almost entirely charred, and you're both certain he met his fate at the hands of the masked men you just defeated. Wasting no time, the two of you pick up the best-looking mares from the world stalls and saddle them up. Helene removes a sizable cloth pouch from around her waist and tosses, and tosses the gold-filled purse onto the stable floor. For the horses... And his family, she says, none of you. Now, Sir Crokington, I need not tell you the danger we're in if we linger here. Let's go. Yeah, let's uh, let's get away from any populated areas. Because it turns out that we're just putting people at risk. Let's stay in the countryside. Because then at least only we're in danger. Because normal people can't just can't handle this sort of stuff. You mount your horse and follow Helene out of the stable. Once on the town's main thoroughfare, the two of you urge your steeds into a gallop, passing out of White Bell to the east like a wash of wind. Your mare, by far the swift of the two horses, handy. Probably because, probably because this this mare's carrying a lot less person. Because Sir Crokington is a tiny toad. I don't know how I'm using the reins though. 
guess I'm just pulling them closer to me. Eh, who knows? Quickly assumes the lead in the hasty flight. Helene catches up with you on the outskirts of town and tells you about three miles ahead the road will fork. We'll take the left fork, she shouts, above the frantic beat of your heast hooves. I don't know much about their way, but it will take us through some fairly desolate country. Whether that takes us out of danger or places us deeper into it, I can't say. But it places other people out of danger, so it's definitely got that going for it. Sooner than you had expected, the fork in the road looms into view, and you rear your horses to the left. You best, best slow them down a bit, she says, taking her horse out of his gallop. These two lead to Lassus and Dutalus. Or, at least until we can get our hands on some fresh ones. You slacken the pace of your mare as well. I don't know about you, Sir Crokington, says Helene, casting a sideways glance at you, her face adorned with a broad smirk. But I can make do with fewer of those masked men with lightning sticks. I thought that first blast in the arm was going to end me. Be the end of me. Seven centuries almost came to a close in a barn. It's not quite the way I've planned it out. And that is the end of this scenario with 128 experience to general. Alright. The road to Latalalus. The lights of Sagemorn. Let us begin. Heading north through the desolate corner of the countryside and making good progress, you and Helene decide to ride through the night, taking advantage of the cover of darkness. Oddly enough, we're safer in the dark, she says. The long shadows of dusk and those of dawn present more peril than the black of night. Yeah, because of course, when it is dark, there is no shadows. For several hours, you journey, your journey along the road proceeds without incident, and much to your surprise, though it is a welcome change. Your conversation with Helene is not focused on the task immediately at hand. You converse with her on a wide variety of subjects, as she is particularly interested in hearing you recount your latest adventures. Well, and you can of course hear them if you scroll down. The night takes a turn for the worst as a series of violent thunderstorms roll in and quickly envelop you. The bright flashes that seem to illuminate the countryside for miles around and a reverberating roll of echoing accompanying thunder serve to make your steeds almost dangerously skittish. We should find shelter, at least to this passage, suggests Helene. These poor beasts seem ready to die of fright, and I wouldn't mind a bit of sleep myself. No sooner has she spoken these words, a series of lights loom into view along the road ahead. This must be the town of Sagemore, says Helene, practically shouting above the din of thunder and the splattering of rain on the road. I didn't know we were so close to it, but it's certainly a welcome sight now. Helene urges her horse to pick up its pace and follow suit, but as you draw nearer to the wall, wall of lights, you quickly realise they are not at all what you expected. Is it an ambush? The road ahead appears impassable. A dozen armed militiamen, thoroughly drenched by the downpour, stand in the middle of the road. Several of them hold hooded lanterns, and one of them wields a crossbow, which much to your horror is trained on you. Oh no. That's far enough, says one of the men stepping forward as you rush within ten yards of the apparent blockade. We've no use for murderers in Sagehorn. The two of you best throw down your weapons and dismount. Any trickery and we're within our rights to levy justice here and now. We order orders to take take and hold the two of you. You tell them must then must have you confused with someone else and that you're on an urgent errand and merely passing through. Seems as likely as not it will spin such a tale, says the lantern-bearing men. Save your breath, friend. The rangers were through here not more than two hours back, and told us that to, told us what to expect coming up our way. And it was you. Now throw down your weapons and dismount. B 
beyond the blockade, you can clearly make out the dark outlines of the building that make up the centre of the small town of Sagemorn. Ah, yes. Trayrock. Must have, must have, you know, done that as a trick. Because he knows that as a, as a goody-goody two-shoes, I'm not going to cut my way through the local militia. So this is actually far more, this is actually going to slow me down far more than 20 lightning stick wielding master assailants. Trollshock! Echoes the voice of Helene in your mind. His border angel axe seems to have again done the trick. He's likely employed his powers of charm to secure the believability of his claim. It's unlikely we can reason with them. But I'll not have the blood of these innocent men. Men on my hands. Through a dozen strong, the men seem reluctant to immediately approach you, giving you a much needed pause to determine your next course of action. So, I can attempt to get past the men and escape. Attempt to convince the men you're not murderers. I think that's going to be quite hard. Because Trailrock is very convincing. Possibly with the, with the aid of a little bit of mind control. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of mind control for a treat. Or I could attempt to subdue the dozen men. Hmm. And you know what? What does random.org tell me to do? Alright. One to three, generate one. Okay, I'm going to attempt to get past the men and escape. Realise your best option is to attempt to somehow get past the dozen militia men. Plenty of options here. There's illusion, gating, fortification, elementalism, horsemanship. Or I could just attempt to wide past the dozen men. Alright. Random.org, tell me what to do. One to six, and I get a three. I'm going to use fortification. Not sure how we're going to do that, but we'll see. Succeeded. 32 experience to fortification. A shimmering field of blue sparkles surrounds both you and Helene, protecting you from any possible release of the crossbow trained on you and serving to startle the easily bewildered militia. You urge your steed through the middle of the men, and they quickly part, apparently having no desire to confront a powerful sorcerer and his companion. Now behind them, the two of you take your horses into all-out gallop as you race through the centre of Sagemorn and pass out of the town to the east. You speed through the town limits and continue your breakneck pace along the dark road beneath the flashing, bursting sky. Sagemore rapidly recedes into darkness behind you, and within only a few minutes you find yourself approaching a fork in the road. The road splits to the right and left, with no sign of any sign or any indication as to where each leads. So I can go left or right, I can use woodmanship or divination for some clues. Divination for clues first. Through the fee, feeling is vague. You sense that peril lurks in the direction of the White Fork. Knowing the White Fork is the more likely path to danger, you must now decide which which you choose to take. I guess I'll go left then. You take the left fork, and without hesitation, Helene follows. Not long after the road splits, you cross a narrow stone bridge, spanning a washing stream, and pass into the into an area of hilly meadows, broken at odd intervals by patches of thick, tangled wood. Realising that at the moment, wariness is perhaps your greatest enemy. Oh, I bet Morax, I bet Trollock feels sore about that. The two of you select a dense section of forest out of sight from the road and find a clear spot where you hope to be able to steal a couple of hours west. Confident you're far enough removed from stage morn, you settle down for a spell of much-needed slumber. You're stirred from your steep by Helene's hand on your shoulder as she tells you that dawn is now only two hours distant. You have slept just a little, she confesses, as the two of you gather your belongings and prepare to resume your journey to Talos before first light. My mind has been plagued by visions both numerous and terrible. I thought them to be nightmares had I been in sleep's grip. 
but it's more like messages from afar. The ones can only guess as to who has sent them. You ask her to details, detail the vision she has, she has had. She seems reluctant to do so. At last, upon your insistence, she relents. The vision I, ha- I had was of your three fellow members of the Silver Quest, he confesses. Iskadar and Twithan are still in pursuit of Windle, who their search has taken them far from the Wall of Twithix. I can only tell you what I felt by observing them, Sir Crokington. And it did not seem to me they were merely looking for Windle. All indications were they were hunting him as a haunter. As a hunter stalks his prey, your heart skips a beat as at a revelation. But she quickly attempts to ally your fears. The visions I have are not always what they seem, she says. At times they are true, though at other times they are misleading. I have seen what I have seen, and now I must leave it at that. What it means I cannot say, for I certainly feel that there is a great deal we do not know about the business we find ourselves in the middle of. Our ailment remains the same, however, and I dare say the sooner we find Nerith, the better off we are like are likely to be. All of us. Okay, so that's presumably getting mind controlling Iskridar and Prithin is while Treylock just couldn't knock, couldn't just catch up with us again and go bash bash and bash us out. Easy peasy. Oh, that's what he thinks, but I have 311 MR, so it's not easy peasy. You leave the woods and return to the road, eager to continue your ju- the journey to Talonless and put aside, at least for the moment, the terrible thoughts that Helene's vision has conjured up. I haven't mentioned it yet, she says, as she mounts her horse and urges the somewhat refreshed animal onto the road, but will actually be heading for a small village named Muap, west of Talonless. For we may find ourselves in the great city before all is said and done. You nod as you climb onto your mare and gently glide, guide her onto the world. For the first time since you left, left Twithick, you're beginning to have reservations about this entire affair. Though you can't yet place your finger on anything in particular. Something, something about all of this doesn't seem quite right. You silently vow not to relax your guard. And that is the end of the scenario for 128 experience to general. Alright, on to the next one. The road to Talonus. Allah, a narrow escape. Begin. For two days, your thankfully uneventful journey takes you through an area of sparsely inhabited countryside. Every so often you pass through a village or the outskirts of a small town where you managed managed to rest and refresh your horses, but you never linger for longer than is necessary. Now and again you meet travellers on the road, but none that arouse suspicion or cause you any reason for alarm. After two days, begin to think that perhaps you are no longer being pursued. Helene says she is quite she hopes that you're right. She admits she is not quite so confident. It's early morning on the third day since the encounter with Sagemorn when a curious sight looms into view around a bend in the road ahead. Brightly coloured flags and painted wagons appear ahead, and as you approach, you realise that some sort of fair or festival is setting up in a pair, pair of broad grassy fields that flank both sides of the roads. Dozens of people move busily about, the many wagons lining the road, and a myriad of tents have begun to spring up in both fields. Helene asks, asks the old man at the edge of the road, what about it all? And he tells her it's the annual pheasant festival of Hapsburn. Ah, that's nice. Uh, let's just hope we don't ruin it. Ah, I'll see if I can find some provisions for us, he says as she dismounts and tethers her horse to a post at the side of the road. You follow suits and tell her you will remain here to watch the horses. A wise notion, she says, but also watch yourself. I'm not so sure out of harm's way yet. Helene 
Hello. Harry has only been gone for a few minutes when you suddenly catch sight of a young boy to your right, seated on the ground only a few yards away. Spreading out a circle of bright, brightly coloured, glistening stones. You're ready to swear that the boy wasn't there a moment ago. The sandy-haired lad, clad from head to toe in brilliant purple attire, calls you over and asks if you would allow him to foretell the future. His stones speak of things to come, he says. What do you say? What do you say? A uh, thing? <laughs> Wouldn't you care to know your future? Another hour? Folks will be paying a gold token to hear you're theirs. Yours is at no cost. Amused, though only slightly intrigued, you agree to let the lad foretell your future. He grips and spreads out the stones before him, running the tips of his fingers over their shiny surface as he closes his eyes. Much, much of what the young showman has to say to you about your future seems to be in form of broad generalisations that could likely fit anyone's circumstances. You're quickly losing interest when suddenly his narrative broaches, broaches several key, singular points with regards to your recent travails. You listen with renewed interest with what he has to say. You are running, he says, with his eyes tightly shut. I see you running from someone, but you are not alone. A lady is with you, and you are searching for someone. You worried, perhaps, about a lost friend or friends, and you believe them to be in danger, in darkness, lost. I see you in a high-walled city, running, running for your life, alone, terrified, clawing at a door, but it is not open. I see darkness turning to light, and a light glowing dim, turning as dark as the dead of night. I can see nothing else. Ooh, ominous. The sound of Elaine's voice from behind breaks you away from the captivating, almost haunting narrative, and you turn to see your companion approaching with a cloth sack, likely filled with the provisions she sought. You turn back to ask the young boy how he came to know this, but is shocked to discover he's gone. Where he sat only moments ago stands a man selling fruit out of several large baskets. In fact, you stand you directly next, next to the largest basket. You quickly decide to say nothing of this to Lane, put your mull over the lad's words as you return to his turn to the horses and prepare to set off once again. Set off for Talonus. You ride out to Hatsburn, leaving the festival behind, but find you unable to take your mind off the strange encounter with the young boy. The two of you have only just passed around a bend in the road, about a mile from the festival, when you come upon a horrifying sight. A covered wagon, sides adorned with colourful banners, lies overturned in the middle of the road. Not far away, its two horses, detached and unharmed, stand at the edge of the road, grazing on the tall glass. The sound of a child crying draws you eyes to a small girl, nigh near the wig, rear of the wagon. She sobs and moans, and you suddenly realise one of her legs is trapped beneath the wagon wheels. You leap from your saddle, closely followed by Helene, and the two of you rush to her side, while you assess the situation, wondering how best to remove her from beneath the wagon's bulk. Helene suddenly gives a startled cry. You look down, and are horrified to see the young girl's body rapidly melting Moting into shadow. Dah, dah, taking advantage of my lawful good good alignment again. Snart, Sled! On your guard, Sir Crokington! Echoes Elaine's voice in your mind. I, I I can't have this in your mind, into your mind. So you're just going to have to hear it like, you know, regular, regular mouth words. You fall back from what is obviously a sinister trap. And Helene joins your retreat. Less than a moment later, six masked, black-cloaked figures bolt out of the wet wagon, their gloved hands tight, like, tightly gripping the long iron rods, the ends of which were entwined with lightning. Three of the masked men rush at Helene, leaving you to face the remaining trio. You hold your ground and bravely square off against the first of your three attackers. Some masked assailant... 
swipes at you with his lightning stick. Tines of blue lightning strike you as your enemy unleashes a deadly energy attack for 9 damage. Okay, another deadly energy attack for 15 damage. Then 12 and then 6. It's getting a bit lucky that. That guard, but not lucky enough because it is slain. 14 XP. The first of your master assailants melts into shadow and disappears, leaving you to face the second. Another master assailant swipes you with his lightning stick. I stab with my stabby stabber. 14 XP. The second master attacker melts into shadow and vanishes, leaving you to face the first. Another master assailant swipes you with his lightning stick. The lightning attack for some damage, and another one for 16 damage, and it is slain. All right, three down. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. With no trace of the six mass attackers remaining, you're about to suggest the two of you mount your horses and move off at once when four more of your silent foes burst from the woods at the edge of the road. Well, I guess there'll be lots and lots of shadows in a wood, so it'd be easy for them to just melt their way into there. Two of the masked men, their lightning sticks poised to strike, move off, move on Helene, while the other pair quickly engages you. Square off against the first of your foes. It's a master assailant. Swipes you with his lightning stick. Alright, my quick stone just stored a 20. So I can use that later. Probably much later. Lightning attack for 12 damage. And slain. 14 XP. The second of your master assailants leaps forwards, taking the place of his fallen cohort. Another master assailant. Swipes at you with this lightning stick. Oh, I just... A sudden surge of energy overtakes you, and you lay three impossibly swift blows upon your enemy. 18 damage. Alright. Lightning attack for four damage upon me, and slain. 14 damage. The last of your master attackers melts into a pool of shadow at your feet, which melts melds with the shadow cast by the overhanging tree and disappears. Helene defeated her pair of foes of woe as well, and arrives at your side, but the elation of victory is short-lived. As two black-robed, hooded figures move out of the woods, the sinister figures seem to walk as if their feet don't touch the, touch the ground. Sorceress, Sir Crokington, echoes the voice in your head. But I'll be sorely... Mistaken if they're among the living. These are among the worst of Trelltock's confederates. Before either of you can act, the ghoulish, woed figures thrust forward, their hands in unison, unleashing two wide arcs of lightning at you. So I could use fortification. If I'd learnt shadow magic earlier, I could use that, but I didn't. I'm probably going to le learn it... Well, Helene says I'll be learning it later, so... So when I, which means very few people are going to see what happens when you use that. Or I could dodge it. Can use fortification. Succeeded. 32 experience to fortification. Your hastily summoned magical shield bends and quivers and this absorbs the pair of lightning bolts. You and Helene survive the lightning attack unscathed. The two ghoulish sorcerers. As has been the case with all your enemies thus far, melt into shadow and disappear into the unbroken gloom of the forest. You cry out in frustration, and Helene echoes your sentiment. Your heart sinks as another group of masked men emerge from the woods, each of them clutching the now familiar iron lightning sticks. You count a dozen of them. Oh, blimey. That's going to take a while to cut through all of them. Helene retreats to your side as the two of you prepare to make what will likely prove to be a final desperate stand against such overwhelming odds. A sudden rumble turns, eh, 
turns every head south along the road. Hurtling along the road, its four wheels wumbling as its twin horse team pulls it straight from the group group of masked men. It's a brightly decorated, covered wagon. Seated seated on a long plank stretching across the front of the wagon, which serves as the driver's seat, is a diminutive figure clad in a grey cloak, its head covered by a thin cloth hood. The dragger the driver furiously urges his ho- the horse onward, and appears he has every intention of ploughing through your assailants. The masked men quickly retreat, some of them disappear into the forest, while others mount into shadows and disappear. You, Helene, watch in amazement as the wagon speeds, speeds through the spot where your enemy stood only moments ago. As the wagon approaches, not slowing its breakneck pace, not slowing its breakneck pace. The driver screams for you two to leap aboard. Lay knots, and the two of you prepare to make it make the jump as the wagon hurtles past. You attempt to board the speeding wagon as it passes by, picking a number. A bonus of two hundred of two hundred and four. Twenty from agility, twenty from might, nineteen from luck, seventy-two from thievery, and seventy-three from horsemanship. I think this is one of those checks that you're pretty much guaranteed to pass. Unless, for some reason, you've got all this way into this game without ever learning thievery or horsemanship. Which admittedly can happen, but not very common, though. Not very common, because thievery is one of the most useful skills in this game. And you and you can learn horsemanship automatically when you do when you do four four nights beyond the hold on Zangar Island. Yes. So yeah, we're probably gonna have those. So most so it's gonna be very rare indeed to fail that check. Yep, yep, there you can get as little as one one thirteen can pass that check. I think if you wanted to fail that check, you kind of have to go out of your way. Way, and then you'll still, you'd still probably pass it. Because no, I don't think anyone has ever failed this check. Although I'm sure the GM has probably specifically written what happens if you do, just in case. Pick now. Anyway, 269. You leap nimbly aboard the speeding wagon. The fine Helene has also made it up safely. The wagon, with its mysterious driver flicking the wain. The wains continues to hurtle along the road. The wagon eventually slows, but continues to roll along, along the road. And the diminutive driver toss, tosses back the cloth hood, covering his head, to reveal the face of the young lad. Who just recently foretold your fortune in Hutsburn. You'll excuse such informality, he says, speaking in a man. man who inconsistent and indeed well beyond his tender years. But there's a little time to impart to you that which you should find most useful. Who, who, who it is you seek is not to be found in Mirop, says the lad, looking from you to Helene in turn. You must make for the village of Grimwick, in the Sorrow Hills, east of Talonus. There you. How do you know who we seek, or we're seeking anyone? And how are we to know we can trust you? For I know you may be in league with those. Who wish, wish us no end of ill will. With the time I might prove the benevolence of my intentions, he says. You must hurry, though, for as quickly as you are closing on on what you seek... There are nets drawing ever in around you. Look for the bitter stag in Grimswick. Who are you? asks Helene, her demeanour hardening. The young boy does not reply to her inquiry, but instead continues his curious narrative. From here to the city you move through great peril, says the lad. To a part may one less whisk than to a side. You pointedly ask the lad who he is. How he has come to know about your business, and why he wishes to help you. 
Consider me a friend, he says, emphasising the word friend. No doubt you've run across too few of those thus far. I could dare say you could use one about now. A sudden violent jolt shakes the wagon, causes your heart to skip a beat. Much to your relief, it seems the wagon merely rolled over a small impression in the road. I'm gonna complain to the local government to fix the road! You turn, you turn simultaneously with Helene to dress the lad, only to find he has again vanished. Helene sighed. As if these waters needed more clouding, she says. Helene takes up the reins and quickly assumes control of the wagon. She tells you that your mutual mysterious friend seems to have suggested the two of you split up and take different roads to Grim- Grimswick. But how did he know of if? If indeed that's what he means by who you seek, she says. Thought for a moment, I placed his face, perhaps his voice, but I confess I could not. He will remain a mystery for now, it seems. Helene tells you that the village of Oxland should not be far ahead, and it suggests it's and suggests and that it suggests a natural place for your pastor splits. That's the course you two agree on. The road divides in Oxland, she says. Part of it goes north, the other more or less north and east. There is wisdom in splitting up Sir Crockington. Although I'd still like to know who our friend is who suggested it. It is late morning when you roll into Oxland and bring the colourfully adorned wagon to a halt before the dilapidated village stables. Helene disappears into the stables and returns a short while later to announce she's traded the wagon for two able riding horses. The stable master, a short, pleasant fellow, leads out the two steeds. You take the reins of the fine animal and follow Helene to a quiet spot on the main road leading through the village. You've begun to feel more uncertain about this endeavour than ever before. And the prospect of splitting up seems to only add a good deal of grimness to an already daunting task. A quick glance at Helene proves that you aren't the only one with such reservations. If we are caught alone with no escape, the outlook is certainly bleak, she said, as if reading your thoughts. But even with our backs pressed together, we should hardly have hoped to survive the last engagement without the timely arrival of one known friend. In the unlikely case they should find, or worse, bring, bo- bring both of us down. It's likely any case they should find, or worse, bring both of us down leagues apart. At least that much, I pray. She decided that the safest course for seeing through the vi- mission of finding Neareth, both of you now hoping he's in Grimswick, is to split up and take your make your separate ways to the small village. You are to take the road north to the town of Tor Tinnar and, and then head northeast to Talanus. Helene will strike out on the road, leaving northeast from here. Helene divides the provisions she provided she acquired in Hatsburn and gives half of them to you. In Tor Tinlar you'll be able to you should be able to fetch passage to Tannis, she tells you, as she makes ready to depart. Grim- Grinswick is east of the city, perhaps no more than half a morning's journey. And remember, according to our mysterious friend, we're to seek out the bitter stag. Sounds like an outhouse to me. She steps forward and meets you on the shoulder cross. Keep well, Sir Crokington. I'll see you at the bitter stag. Without another word, she turns and mounts her horse and wides off, not once looking back. Your eyes follow her until she's last out of sight. Despite her parting words, you have the inexplicable feeling you are seeing her for the very last time. And that ends this scenario with 128 experience to general. And after you finish it, you fully heal, which is handy. Alright. Next part is A Road to Talonus. A step ahead. Begin the scenario. It is a, 
Okay, there's the note about the wee cap in the logbook, but I can't even see that. It's early afternoon when you arrive in Tortinia, a small town bordered on the east and west by dense stretches of wood. Thankfully, the journey is uneventful, but you understand all too well that many lonely wilds still separate you from Tannanus and the village of Greenwich to the east. You inquire about coach passage to the capital city at local tavern, an un- unimpressive, rather squalid hole known as Scra- Scoundrel Lodge. The answer you receive from the thin, unpleasant tavern keep is at best disheartening. The tavern keep tells you the remains of the stage, due, due to have arrived from Tannis only yesterday, were discovered early this morning on the road east of town. Nothing much left of it, he says, doing his best to avoid eye contact with you. Just a pile of charred wood. No horses about. Like as not, someone took a torch to it and made off with the horses. Not the first time a stage has come to ruin these parts. It were never in that fashion. Dismayed at the prospect of having, made, of having to make the long journey by yourself, you are on your way out of the tavern, when you are approached by a slight man in a bright red tunic. He seems nervous as he introduces himself as Colmere and asks to have a word with you. You learn that Colmere has a wagon load of goods that he needs to transport to Tannus, and has been afraid to go, go alone ever since he heard the morning's news about the destroyed coach. I just stopped over here, having come, come from up north, he says. Good thing I did too. Might evenly has met the same fate as the stage. Colmere eyes you nervously and naffs. Eyes you curiously and naffs nervously. I won't pretend. And I don't know who you are, Sir Crokington, he says. A toad like you rather stands down amongst ordinary folk. I'll be honoured and forever grateful if you'll share the road to Talonus aboard my wagon. Despite the man's apparent nervous nature, your instinct tells you. Your instinct tells you that what he says is likely the truth. With no interest in making the journey alone on horseback, you accept the offer. Colmere is invisibly relieved and tells you he will immediately prepare the wagon. If we leave soon, we can make the village of Duris South before dark, he says. With or without you, Sir Crokington. I've little, little idea. I've little liking for the idea of travelling these roads roads after sundown. You have no trouble finding someone to purchase your horse for twenty-five gold. The man for whom you sold the horse quickly, swiftly hands over the promised amount and you leave the tavern, only to find Colmere already waiting aboard the wagon. My beauties are ready, he says, waving his hand over the two powerful looking horses hitched to the front of what appears to be a relatively newly built wagon. A heavy white cloth covers the contents piled onto, piled up onto wagon bag. Wait, when you inquire about the cargo, Colmere seems to grow nervous again. Just a bit of paleo bark, he says. His answer comes across as somewhat rehearsed. It fetches a pretty sum in Tadonus for sure. Hmm. Probably other things as well. But you know what? Not a cop. Not my business. Not my business at all. Riding above Colmere's wagon proves much less tiresome than on horseback, and with someone to talk to, the time passes with greater swiftness. So you're quite guarded with what you reveal to your newfound companion. He seems to take no interest in your reason for heading to Talonus. He does inquire, however, about several of your past adventures, and seems to know a good deal about some of them. When you pass by the spot on the road, when the coach was attacked, the two of you fall silent as your eyes gaze at the charred remains of the stage. You, you say nothing to Colmere, but of little doubt, the attack is, is the work of the lightning-wielding sailors who have dodged your every step since Trithic. Eagle Neck Bridge is up ahead, announces Colmere, as the world turns slightly north. Jura South's not far beyond it. Sounds on its way do, down too. Spectre will be there before dark. The world widens, and in the distance, beneath the shadow of the overhanging forest, 
you can make out a pair of tall stone pillars that mark the western edge of Eagle Neck Bridge. The bridge passes over a swift and wide stream, and Colmere tells you the stone structure is several hundred years old, but as you draw close to it, you realise something is horribly wrong. Five bodies are strewn across the centre of the stone bridge. As you draw nearer, you recognise their attire to be that of Tyson soldiers. The corpses of the soldiers are all somewhat charred, and your pulse immediately quickens as you carefully scan your surroundings. By the old father, gasps Colmere, staring wide-eyed at the bodies of the dead men. What devil has come upon them? Before you can answer him, a loud crackle fills the air, and a pair of lightning bolts hurtle past you from behind, coming within inches of taking off your head. Colmere emits an unflattering scheme, scream, and leaps from his seat, scrambling for cover beneath the Yep, yep, you, you stay there, you stay there. Yeah, there's, yeah, just stay under the wagon. Uh, they probably won't bother setting it on fire until they've got me. The four masked men, their hands clutching the fearsome eyes and fearsome iron lightning sticks you've come to despise, leap out of the woods and rush towards you. You tactically position yourself to face face the four of them, two at a time, two master assailants. This is why I put you with their lightning sticks. I stab with my stabby stabber, and they are slain. 22 XP. The first two assailants melt into pools of shadow at your feet, and sliver off into the greater gloom of the woods. The second two are immediately upon you. Two more master assailants. Well, they're going to be assailed now. Lightning, the lightning attack that we've seen so many times before. For 18 damage. And then for 14 damage. And then 9 damage. Nearly done. 8 damage lightning attack. And they are slain. 22 XP. A final well-placed stab. Sends the last of your four assailments to the world at your feet. Like the West, he swiftly, he swiftly mounts into a pool of gloom and slivers off to join the shadows of the surrounding trees. Well, he, well, that's nothing sailing, saying they can't, you can't have a lady mask assailants. My word, exclaims Colmere as he crawls out from under the wagon. Surely those are the men who destroyed the coach. But were they even men? What devil is it? Stuffing of them left. Colmer is quick to apologise for abandoning you to fight. Now, now that is precisely what you should have done. If you tried to fight them, you'd have just got yourself killed and made it, and made it more difficult for me. And then there'd be no one to drive the wagon. You'll forgive me, I hope, he says sheepishly, but I have little use in such matters. My bumbling presence, I'm afraid, would only make things worse. You tell him no apology is necessary, and after moving the bodies of the five, five slain soldiers to the edge of the road, you quickly resume your journey. Comlear talks less frequently following the attack at the bridge, and he says he is terrified. You are minded that I not all share your, the nerves, steel of your nerves, and you offer a few words of reassurance to your companion. As the afternoon progresses, you begin to take note of something curious. Despite the sizable load and the general weight of the heavy wagon, the two horses seem to pull it with hardly any effort. Indeed, several hours out of Toltila, they almost seem as fresh as when they began their, to- began their toil, as if the wagon is practically gliding along the surface of the road. You're about to make mention of Solitude to Colmere when he suddenly cries out and points ahead. You follow his figure, and your eyes come to west on a lone, dark world figure standing in the middle of the road. Comir halts the wagon, but but as he does, the sinister-looking figure melts into a pool of shadow. Out of the puddle of gloom rises a pile of pair of terrifying shapes. Shadow beasts, I guess? Two massive shadow beasts rise up from the pool of shadow, and grow and stent and stretch to immense size before stalking along the road towards you. 
You shout for Cormier to take cover, but even before the words leave your lips, he's rushing to the underside of the wagon. Swallowing hard as your heart races, you position yourself to engage the first of these terrifying creatures of shadow. This is a shadow beast. It's gotta get stabbed. The shadow beast roars. Swipes out of you his claw hand of shadow. Alright, oh, you feel weaker as your opponent drains energy from your body for 12 damage. And it is slain. 38 XP. The first shadow beast withers into a pool of gloom and vanishes. Almost immediately, you're set upon by the other shadow beast number two. The shadow beast wars as it wipes out of you his clawed hand of shadow. Alright, keep going. You feel weaker as your opponent drains the energy from your body for 10 damage. And then again for 17 damage, but that's not enough. It is now slain. 38 XP. A deafening roar echoes through the woods as the second shadow beast, melt, shadow beast melts into shadow and disappears. You step back and lean up against a wagon as you attempt to catch your breath. Colmere reappears from beneath the wagon with a horrified look affixed to his face. His demeanour quickly changes, however, and he stares you in amazement. The tales told about you are not exaggerated the least, he says. What manner of creatures were these? I dare say that even you can't possibly run into to those every day. Well, nearly now. <laughs> nearly every day for the last week or so. What devil he haunts this road? Feeling that it is only right to do so, he explained to Colmere the men who attacked, attacked the stage, and who attacked you at the bridge, and even these strange creatures of shadow are seeking you. He listens with his eyes wide as you t- tell him you have been followed for several days. Colmere immediately unleashes a barrage of questions regarding the events to which you reared, but you continue to remain guarded with your answers. Not willing to divulge too much, even to one who finds himself sharing in the danger. I think this is the sort of knowledge where, if you know it, you're in danger. When you tell Kernemeth he should at once turn back, that to continue with you is likely to lead to further, possibly even greater peril. Shakes his head. I'm not much good in a fight, he says nervously. But I have two strong horses and a good wagon. And I can drive this team as good as any man for a thousand miles around. If I can do nothing else, I can see you through to Tannus. Perhaps one day, my name might appear in one of the tales they tell about you. Yes, it will, my friend. Yes, it will. Call me a pauses. And ask you something about which you so, which you yourself were about to ask him. Yes, he asks you of the way the wagon is travelling, with its wheels almost drifting along the surface of the road. As you're doing, when you, t- when you tell him it is not, but that you'd also noticed it, he seems relieved. Well, this at least bodes well. He laughs nervously. Seems that maybe there's good devilry and bad devilry in all of this. Great adventure. Proud to be sharing with you, Sir Crokington. And I don't mind saying it. The wagon resumes its course along the road, forest road at a somewhat faster clip than before. Comley turns to you and grins as the wagon rolls over the rugged terrain with nothing worse than the occasional small bump. Horses with nary a load don't tire easily, he says. We'll be enjoy ourselves before we know it. You can't help but agree with Colmere that this strange phenomenon seems at present to be a blessing. So it would feel easier if you knew its origin and purpose. And that ends this scenario with 128 experience to general. So we're nearly at the hour mark. So I think that will be the last, the last scenario we'll do today. The next one is the final is the final is the final scenario that is that starts with the woe to Talonus. It's called the Woe to Talonus Shaking Pursuit. So presumably we get to Talonus finally in the next episode. 
And then, well, I guess we'll just see. Hopefully we'll be able to find Windle Neerith. And then Neerith can presumably have some sort of... Has some sort of plan for what we do next. Because I don't have a clue at all what to do. I have no idea where Axel is. I I could fight Trellock, but he'll just melt into shadow and come back. Yes, I've no, I really don't have a clue how to possibly possibly fight against people that could be anywhere or anyone. Yes. Yes, yes, it's really our only hope is that Neuif has some sort of plan. But we shall see. But anyway, until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.